Thank y'all. It's been good to be here tonight, hasn't it? I appreciate the Lord. Appreciate His goodness in our life. And I'm thankful for Bible Baptist Church. Amen. And what the Lord's done for us. I want to preach a few minutes tonight. <clears throat> I've got Brother Grant on standby. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, I told him if I get to coughing and can't preach, I'm going to just call you up here and just take a text. Or he can take my text and preach it if whatever he feels liberty. Amen. <clears throat> Half of us got this old cough. We sound like we've been smoking two packs of camels a day, non-filtered. Amen. And uh, some of you may have. I don't know. And uh, we'll know if it keeps on lingering. Amen. I, but uh, I, I started to say something else there, but I'll leave them cigarettes alone, all right? But uh, anyway, Second Corinthians chapter 2, if you'll stand with us, and verse number 5. This message is, I've had this message for two years and just never preached it, but always thought about it and would have preached it two weeks ago on Sunday night. Uh, but uh, due to my father's illness, I wasn't able to be here, but I was working on it that afternoon, and uh, then, as I said this morning, Brother Ellis preached last weekend, but it's never left my heart, and so I pray the Lord will help me uh, to get the burden delivered tonight, and may it be a help to all of us. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 5, the Bible said, But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with, much, with over much sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also <clears throat> did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sake forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Chris Clarity, if you would pray for us tonight. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to just say the context uh, in which that this passage of Scripture has been written has to do with the moral failure of a believer in the church. I think you can see that very clearly uh, as Paul is writing here. And he talks about the individual in verse 5 and 6. He said, If any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me but in part, that I may not overcharge you all sufficient to such a man is this punishment. So the church has dealt with this man because of his moral failure uh, within the church. And so I think the church has to deal with moral failures. We don't want to. And when uh, those times come, it ought to bring grief to all of us and it ought to stand as a reminder that uh, we should consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. But it is always a sad time when a church has to exercise church discipline. But the purpose of church discipline is to bring repentance in the life of a believer. It's not to punish that person. It's not to look down upon that person. It's not to misuse or abuse that person. But it is to let the whole church know that this is sin and that God does not sanction it. And so therefore the 
church cannot sanction it. I think a lot of times churches have, have had Ichabod wrote upon the doorpost because uh, they failed to deal with sin within the church. Now, uh, we don't bring everything before the church and uh, when something is open sin and it has to do with <clears throat> morality on that level, it must be dealt with, but it has to be done prayerfully and it has to be done carefully as we see in this text here in Paul. He talks about the individual and then he talks about the instructions in verse number 7 and verse number 8. He said, so the contrary wise, he instructs the church here, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with over much sorrow. In other words, this man has committed a more, he's committed adultery, he's committed fornication, uh, and he has repented over that, and now the church has a responsibility to forgive him, and not just to forgive him, but to comfort him. Why? Because he has truly repented. Amen? And true repentance ought to bring full restitution as it does in all of our lives. In other words, the church is not to uh, make him the black sheep of the church. The, the church is not to distance themselves from him. They're not to murmur or gossip or talk about the sin. Anytime that we've had to deal with that in our church, we've always made it clear that if it gets talked about, then we'll deal with those that would gossip about that. And you know that's how it should be dealt with. Amen? Uh, because we should consider uh, the individual. The instruction is to forgive him and to comfort him. Why? Because he's already truly repented and he doesn't need to carry that sorrow. He'll carry the guilt, have the reproach of that sin, but he doesn't need to carry the sorrow from the church. Can I get a witness on that? Paul gives clear instructions here by not comforting and forgiving that person. Uh, we can literally push them out the door and into the world. Now I do want to make a statement here. That applies only uh, when someone has truly repented. Can I get an amen? In other words, if somebody in this church was to go out and was to commit adultery or commit fornication, uh, you're not to run to them and coddle them and love them and make them feel good or say it's okay. Or to be, if you wasn't their best friend before, don't become their best friend when they commit that sin. I see that happen sometimes in churches, and they say, "Well, we're just trying to help them." Well, they have to repent. Amen. You see, the reason that prodigal son got a fat calf and a party was because he came home and he repented before God. He said, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against my father. When he came home and repented, that's when they threw the party. But they didn't go out here somewheres and throw a party for him while he was still living in sin. Y'all with me tonight? And these are the instructions. Once they've got right, we must treat them just like we do someone else. And then there's the investigation. In verse number 9, Paul said, for to this end also did I write that I may know the proof of you whether ye be obedient in all things. Paul is saying here it's not so much about this man now. He's repented. He's got right with God. He's got right with the church. Now he said church it's about you. And Paul said I want to know how you're treating him. And that's important. Amen. And then there's the illustration to whom ye forgive anything I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgive him for your sake forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now here's what this means. When the church forgives someone because of, uh, of some sin that they've committed, then that means we all must forgive them. Is that right? In other words, <clears throat> when somebody commits a sin and they've repented and they've stood before the church and they've made it right 
if the church has, has clearly forgave them and made things right, then you and I as an individual have no place to ever talk about that sin again. We are to move on. Can I get a witness right there? And I'll tell you, if that was me or that was you standing before the church, you would want the church to move on. Isn't that right? You would want them to just move on. And that's the way it is with your children. When your children uh, truly repent and show godly sorrow, you don't keep holding that over their head, but you love them and you comfort them. You tell them it's okay now. You've repented. You've, <clears throat> you've done the right thing. And you know what you do? You move on. Isn't that right? And so there is the illustration but here is our text verse tonight Paul mentions the importance of this why is it so important lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices I want to take verse 11 tonight and preach on a subject that God laid on my heart some time back but I wanted to give you the context of what verse 11 is connected to it's dealing with the failure of this man, and now he's repented, and Paul says if you don't treat him right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to let Satan get the advantage in the church. Amen? We're not ignorant of his devices. But I want you to think about one word tonight that I want to use to deal with this subject tonight, and it is the word devices. What does the word devices mean? Here in our text, the word devices, and I'm not a Greek theologian tonight by no means, but the Greek word is noma, and it simply means that which is thought out. In other words, uh, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices those things, those plans that is thought out. You know the devil has many thought out plans isn't that right? I'm telling you when the devil when he slithered up in the garden of Eden that was not chance or circumstance, that was not an accident he planned the day, he planned the place, the devil will plan out his attacks, amen? And the devices of the devil in this hour, listen they've only got more meticulous, they've only got more deceptive in the hour that we're living in. In fact you know what we call this tonight? We call it a device. Isn't that right? Uh, it's something that we use and can I tell you uh, the devil has long surpassed uh, uh, the old plans. He still uses the old ways. He still uses the old methods but I promise you the devil is up to speed in 2022 and he's got a lot of devices that he uses uh, to go against the people of God. I want to say tonight there's nothing wrong uh, with using devices, technology. We live in a world of technology tonight. I think an iPad can be a good thing. An iPhone can be a good thing. An Android phone can be a good thing used in its proper place. And may I say tonight, we're living in the world of technology that allows us to do things faster. It allows us to, uh, to have more information. And oftentimes it can be helpful on your job. It can be helpful in school. It can be used as a tool uh, that can be a benefit. In fact, there are ways of reaching out to people now uh, that, listen, 50 years ago, they would have never dreamed that you could be able to make contact with people. The gospel has ways of getting around the world because of technology and reaching regions of people uh, that it never had reached before. When you think about technology,
technology tonight, the advancement of it. But with that technology tonight, because it's in the hands of sinful men, because it's in the hands of men and women who are depraved uh, and that within ourselves there is no good thing, you know what comes with that technology? Uh, Technical difficulties, amen? And I want to preach a few minutes tonight on that subject, on technical difficulties. Because I think we're living in the hour when our churches and our homes uh, and even the minds of so many people have been infected and been, uh, d- have been, uh, uh, listen, has been uh, uh, sought after uh, through the technical world and it's created so many technical difficulties uh, within the home, within the church, uh, and we see these problems on every hand. Amen? I mean, all these devices. When you're, I'm talking about the television. I'm talking about the World Wide Web, uh, which is now called the Internet, uh, the cell phone, the iPad, the tablet, uh, the social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, emails, uh, podcasts, polo groups. Uh, I mean, it just never ends in this society. Everywhere you turn around, uh, there's some newfound way, a wave of technology that is taking over the world. And my friends, while some of it may be used as a tool, I think you understand tonight uh, that it's created a lot of difficulties uh, in the hour in which we're living in tonight. Would the world not be a better place without so much technology? While technology is a great tool, to many it has become a toy. Technology has expanded the waves of education. It's expanded the ways of communication. But with that has come perversion, has become sin at an all-time level. And I think it must be preached about. You say, preacher, is this one of Satan's devices? Well, the Bible says he's the prince and the power of the air. Amen? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, amen, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we know that Satan has upped his game in these last days with these devices, and he's opened up a world to people that they never thought they would ever see uh, before. And because of that, now we face things, and preachers are preaching on things that they never thought about. And you see tonight the principle of our verse tonight is even found in the technical world. You say, what do you mean? I mean these technical difficulties have certainly give Satan the advantage. Amen? We're not ignorant of these technical difficulties uh, and it seems that these devices uh, many times can be used more for the work of evil and the work of the devil than they can for the good and the glory of God tonight. I'm not telling you to go home and throw your Uh, cell phone in the trash can. I wouldn't be mad if you did, but I'm not telling you to do that. You can't do that in the world that we live in. But what I am saying tonight is that they can become a great advantage for Satan to work in all of our life. You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about the wickedness of these devices. Filth, perversion at the push of a button. Wicked music at the touch of an app. Gossip in the moment of just a swipe. Division and strife in just the second of one post. That's some of the wickedness of these devices. And then you have to think about the wastefulness of these devices. It's said that teens spend on average five hours a day on social media and some as much as 
nine hours a day. Social media can cause anxiety, depression, loneliness, self-harm, and in some cases, even suicide. Is that not the day that we're living in? Ephesians 5 and verse 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let me tell you something about time tonight. Time is one of the most precious commodities that you and I have here on this earth. God is not making more time and with every passing second as you sit here tonight, time is running through the hourglass of the sand, is running through the hourglass of time tonight and time is slipping away from all of us. And if the Bible teaches us anything about time, it teaches us to use it wisely and to use it for the glory and honor of God and not for the self-gratification of ourselves. And you know what the devil uses? He uses these devices as time wasters. Amen? Instead of reading a book, a lot of times someone will just get on and just they'll just read something on social media. Listen, instead of going out and doing something productive, I'm talking about like riding a bicycle. Amen? You know, riding a bicycle will help your heart. Somebody say amen. It'll help your legs. It'll help your mind. I like going out and mowing the yard or washing the car. But you know what? Now people spend so much time sucked into the to the technical world that they lose touch with reality a lot of times because this becomes such a time waster. Amen. I mean, you think about it tonight. You have emails. You have texting. You have... Uh, I mean, y'all remember when you wrote letters to people and you had to go to the mailbox and put a stamp on it and put it in there and, you know, they had to wait for it. But now people text and some people, they crack me up, they send you a text and it's almost like they're sitting on the other end staring at the phone waiting for the text, you know? And uh, if they don't hear, they'll send you another text. Well, if I didn't answer the first one, it means you don't have time. You, it's not going to speed up by sending a second one, amen? And uh, they'll repeat the text and send it to you. I don't know what that's about. I mean, it's a sermon probably getting me in a lot of trouble, but I'm telling you tonight, it just, 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 so, it just demands so much of people's time, the wickedness of these devices, the wastefulness of these devices. What about the worldliness of these devices? I mean, where does it all go? Straight into the eye and the ear gates. You know that? These devices, everything that we read, that we see, everything that we hear, it's going into where? When something goes into the eye, when it goes into the ear, do you know where it's going to? It's going to the mind, amen? You know where the battle is tonight? It's on the mind, amen? You know what the tempter wants to do tonight? His ultimate goal is, the Bible says, is to blind the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of Christ, should shine unto them. You know why it's harder to get people saved in this younger generation? They've seen so much. They've heard so much. Uh, the devil has pumped so much into their mind. Uh, I mean, listen, it's, they're harder to deal with in this hour. And when you think about the worldliness, uh, uh, just at the touch of a screen, uh, these de- devices remove any effort for the imagination and they supply unlimited sin and unlimited filth uh, for the human brain uh, so much that it cannot even process it all worldliness worldliness has grew in our churches tonight things that used to be preached on and dealt with and called sin in any average church has become accepted 
in most today. And how are these devices being used against us? I want to say, number one, to deceive. I mean, they paint, social media paints a facade. Can I get a witness on that? Y'all are super quiet tonight. I'm telling you, it it paints a facade. Fake book tonight has become a fantasy land that many live in. They post pictures and stage events to make themselves appear greater than what they are and to build something that makes the world look like it's reality when in essence it is a lie. You've heard me say it before. Nobody snaps a picture of their living room when they've got dirty laundry laying on the couch and they've got dirty dishes sitting on the coffee table. You know, what they do, they wait till everything's white and clean and everything's put right. Probably spent half a day putting that room together just so they could take a picture and put it on Facebook and make everybody think something that really is not. I'm talking about the deception of it. It's, my friend, something we have to be careful of. And my friend, these uh, the technical world is used to deceive things. Uh, uh, listen, there are some people that think if they read something on social media, it's true because they saw it on the internet or they read it out of Facebook. Hey, that's not always the case. Can I get a witness right there? Listen, but some people, whatever they read, they're going to believe to deceive. What about to defile? The mind, the heart, the spirit, what goes to the eye and the ear goes into the mind. What is in the mind becomes a battleground between uh, the spiritual man and the car- and the natural man. It becomes a battleground between the individual and Satan. And if that battle is not won, then I want to tell you what's going to happen. It leaves the mind and it gets down in the heart. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Listen how the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You just have to listen to people and you can tell what they what's in their heart and what What's in their heart is what they're thinking about. I mean, listen, if someone talks about perversion all the time, you mark it down. It's down in their heart and it's coming out of their mouth. Uh, You know why? Because it went through their eye. It went through their ear and it got in their mind and they lost the battle in the mind and it lodged in their heart and now that's who they have become. You consider tonight uh, what you look at, what you listen to. It's so important because, listen, if you're going to win the battle of the mind, can I tell you the first Stand. Don't let things in that don't need to be there. You know, if I'm standing in a in a grocery line and there's a magazine right there, and most of the time there is, I know not to look at that magazine rack because you know there's nothing good on there. Can I get a witness there? But you know, sometimes standing there and I turn and I'm not thinking about it, I, my eyes see something that I should not see. You say, oh, preacher, not me. I always turn away. Well, good for you. But my mind's always running in a hundred directions. And I look and I see something I'm not supposed to see. I want to tell you, when I see something, God is not holding me accountable for what I saw because I didn't put it there. I can turn away. And I can... I can put my thoughts somewhere else. But if I look back, it's no longer I saw it. Now I've looked at it. That first time is just something. You, you're driving down the road and you see a billboard. You didn't put it there. You saw it, but you can look away. But if you take that second glance, that's a look, friend. And God holds us accountable for what we look at. 
It's a lot easier to get something out of your mind that you just saw than it is to get something out of your mind that you looked at, that you purposely fastened your eyes on. And the way that you win that battle is you don't look at certain things. I want to tell you with these devices, you have to make sure that you don't open yourself to defile yourself of those things. I mean, listen, it'll defile your heart and it'll despise, it will defile your spirit. It is said the mind cannot handle the emotional stress of just scrolling through social media and the news feed because there's so many different things. There's times of happiness and sadness and tragedy and joy and the mind can't process all of that. But you think about what it's doing to people's minds when they sit there hour upon hour and they just lose track of time and they just scroll up and down through there how it warps and how it feeds the mind and changes their thoughts amen it's opened our youth to a world that they should have never known you know that our youth is in trouble when they have social media accounts and they have weird pictures worldly pictures when they have accounts and their pastor or their principal or their parents are not even their friends I don't think a teenager needs a cell phone. Somebody say amen. And I don't think a teenager needs any social media. Most adults don't need one. But a teenager, surely a teenager don't need a social media account. But they give them to them and, and they go and they snap. You know, you can look at pictures and say, oh, they're going in the wrong direction. You young people hear me tonight. And they take these pictures and then they're friends with everybody, but they ain't going to let their pastor be their friend. He's got to ask for it. And I will. Amen. You know why they don't want that? Because he might see something. They don't want their school principal to be their friend. Because he might see something. Hey, there's adults that way too. People get mad and leave a church. Guess who they start deleting? They'll keep all the carnal church members. Now don't y'all die on me tonight. Anybody that's worldly and carnal wants to, you know, half in the church and half out, they'll keep them. But you know what? They, they, they ain't going to keep Brother Laddie. I can tell you that. They ain't going to keep preacher. You know why that is? Because their heart's not right. I'm talking about, friend, the things that, that defile. And, and listen, uh, you know, I think about sometimes uh, the things that people like on social media. You got somebody living worldly and they ain't got enough clothes on to water shotgun, you know. And listen, uh, they, they've blew out of the church and they've left the church and, and they're out there and they got some rebellious posts out there. You know what surprises me sometimes? The people that will hit like to that. Hey, if you believe in dressing right and somebody ain't dressed right and you hit like, you just approved everything in that picture. You ought to think about that tonight. You ought to consider it tonight. You say, well, I'm just trying to win them. You don't win them that way. You win them by praying for them. You win them by putting your hand on their shoulder and saying, I'm praying for you. And you need to, listen, we want to see you get right with God. You don't win them by approving everything that they're doing. Amen. I'm not saying you just shun them. I'm saying you ought to leave some things alone. Can I get a witness tonight? And if you don't like it, just hold on. It's going to get a little bit worse. But I'm going to preach it if your hair lips a devil tonight. Because I tell you, it's messed up our churches. It's messed up our homes. And brother. It ought to be dealt with tonight. Even adults, people get in sin. They put things on social media, questionable posts. And they deal with those things. I'm talking about it's used to defile. Now listen, it's used to divide tonight. 
You have these social media warriors who like to debate and argue over things. Call out others. They use their devices as weapons and whipping posts for those that disagree with them. I'm going to tell you something tonight. A spiritual person don't debate. Can I get an amen right there? Brother, a spiritual person don't, don't get on and make comments and get in, a, get in an argument with people. I've seen people I had confidence in that I lost confidence in because they stirred up the devil and they caused division and they caused strife and contention on some open forum tonight. Hey, listen, if you have something like that, a social media account, these devices, the devil uses it uh, to divide. Amen? You're not, listen, you young preachers hear me, you're not to ever comment on something. You're not to ever be a part of some debate, some argument. If somebody was to stand up in this church tonight and was to go against something that I was preaching, now they've got a right to come to me after church and say, hey, I need to talk to you about this. And we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And listen, we'll try to reason some things out. But if somebody was to jump up and just start saying something tonight, you know what we would call that? We would call that out of order. Isn't that right? And we would ask that person to sit down. And if they wasn't willing to sit down, we would ask Ask them to leave. Do you know what? On social media, I see people do a lot of times. Uh, uh, they'll argue and they'll debate and, and they'll make stuff. It's no different there than if you stood up in a congregation and did that. And if you want to be respected, you need to be respectable. Amen? But it's been used to divide people. It's been used to distract. There are people that can't even function without technology, without their devices. It's the first thing they look at in the morning. It's the last thing they look at at night. Sometimes they wake up. I heard a preacher preaching about a teenager that had got right with God and she got rid of all of her social media accounts because she said she couldn't handle it. She said, I found myself waking up at three o'clock in the morning and checking my accounts and I can't even sleep without some of these things. I'm talking about the devil has got thought well, thought out plans and I don't want to give any credence to him tonight. I'm telling you, it's something we ought to consider tonight. It's ruined a lot of people because it's became a major distraction. You know, it can be used to, to advertise meetings. It can be used to send pictures to your family. It can be used tonight to, to give the gospel. But it should never be used to find out what's going on in other people's lives. It should never be used to, to know more about people tonight. You know, God doesn't intend us to intend for us to know everything about each other. There ought to be barriers from family to family. There ought to be barriers. That, that doesn't mean we're not close tonight. But what it means is that there are just some things. How many tonight? You don't have to raise your hand. But I wonder how many of us tonight wish that we never knew some things about some people. But they made it so known. They made it so public. They brought it out. I'm simply saying tonight it's become a major distraction in a lot of our places. And it's become a discouragement. How many times... Have you seen things that have discouraged you? Things that have disappointed you because of the technical world? I mean, listen, it's because we're not supposed to know everything about everybody. Spiritual people, they don't tell everything they know. Immature Christians tell everything they know. It's ignorant to display everything. We shouldn't display all of our faults and failures. Is that right? Hey, there's some things only God ought to know. 
Can I get a witness tonight? There's some things that only your immediate family ought to know. And it shouldn't go any further than that. There's some things that your pastor needs to know, but even your pastor don't need to know everything. You know, I, years ago, I, I didn't know this starting out, but, but it was just a hard lesson to learn. I learned that when you sit down to talk to people about their problems, just let them tell you the principle of the problem. But don't let them give you all the muddy details. I'm going to tell you why that is, because even if they get right with God, the devil can use that in their own mind to say, well, now, don't you wish you wouldn't have told pastor that? Don't you wish the preacher would have never known that? But I'm going to tell you, I can forget all about it and go on, but the devil will hound some people to death because they, they indulged too, uh, uh, gave too much information out, and so uh, it, became a, it became a tool the devil used. Well, the same thing is about this technical world. And uh, Listen, you ought to keep your, your home life private. You ought to keep some things uh, uh, private about your marriage, about your children. Uh, when your children uh, maybe they're struggling and they're going through a difficult time. Uh, I understand you want to ask people to pray for you and you should, but you ought to not tell everything that goes on. Amen tonight. These devices give Satan the advantage because they produce problems knowing too much, seeing and hearing and learning too much. They produce pride. You know, social media has produced such pride in this world. The Bible said in Proverbs 16 and verse 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Proverbs 8 and verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. It's produced pride. I'll tell you something else. It's produced platforms for people. People now can, through the technical world, they can have a, a platform for anything that they want. They can say anything that, that they want to say. They, they, I'm going to tell you something. You ought to pray for you post anything. Amen. You ought to pray before you put anything out there for the world to see. You'd be better off to not put some things out there. I'm going to tell you, you can't take your words back. Amen. You say something, it's out there, friend, for time and eternity. You say something, you can't, you can't get that back. I'm telling you, these platforms, the Bible said in Philippians 2, in verse number 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence, but people build platforms and they lift themselves up and self-promotion is sin in the eyes of God. We should never promote ourselves. We should never exalt ourselves. The Bible said to let another man praise thee but through the technical world you can let the world know anything that's going on in your life. Uh, you can build any kind of frame of a facade that you want to build. I want to say at the end you're fooling no one but yourself. Amen? And if you watch that and if you feed into that you know what will happen eventually you may buy into it and say man my life is not like so and so. I want to tell you their life is not near as great as they want you to think it is. I tell you, everybody has problems. Everybody has difficulties. Everybody has troubles tonight. And it produces platforms. It produces pitfalls of discussions, opinions, arguments, foolish questions. It's pitfalls of adopting whatever term the world sees as the new standard. You say, what do you, I'll give you an example of that. You know, when I was a kid, 
I read, there was bullies in school. There was also paddles in school. You know, there wasn't near as many bullies because there was a lot of paddles. And you get in a fight. I remember when I was, when I was about eight years old, probably second, third grade, uh, me and a friend of mine and two other friends, uh, listen, we would eat lunch together, but when, and then we had recess after lunch, and we planned every day to go down to the end of the, the playground, big, long playground, go to the very end of the playground and fight. That's what we wanted to do. We didn't want to ride the merry-go-round or the swings. We wanted to go down there and hit each other and, and punch each other and, and, and throw something at each other, you know. And, and I remember picking up a piece of asphalt and, and hitting this boy with that asphalt. You know what happened? I got a paddling for that. And then I got a note sent home. And then you know what? My mother whipped me. And when my dad come home, he told my dad. And he whipped me. I mean, I got a paddle, a hickory, and a bell all in one day. Amen. That stops the bullying. And, but you know what happens? The world adopts a, a new phrase and says, stop the bullying. You know where it becomes a problem? Next thing you know, you go to church. And church people will just adopt anything they read. They'll go into Christian school and say, so-and-so bullied me. Well, he didn't bully you. He made fun of your glasses. He said you had a big nose. And they go home and whine to their parents and say, she bullied me. You know where they got that term? They got it from that world. You know, the parent comes up and says, so-and-so's been, but we just, you know what we say at school? Oh, go home. Amen. We're not worrying about that. Y'all still with me, aren't you? We're not worrying about it. But we're not going to take the world's philosophy and start chewing on every bit of it. Well, I'm telling you, you know if you work a public job, you get so many emails through the week and they're sending stuff to you. And I know you have to read them because of the jobs and things. But you know, in your own mind, you have to process what to receive and what to just toss aside. And you have, because they're constantly sending. You know why? Because they want you to think the way they think. They want you to act the way they want you to act. I'm telling you, I thought about, you know, used to, the old saying was that that you, you, you learn things things when you were young this way you watched older people you asked questions y'all, y'all still with me aren't you you take your, your young 20, 25 year old and you don't know how to do something you know what you did you went to somebody older than you and you talked to them and you said hey how, how do you do this right here how do you put this <laughs> well how do you fix this lawnmower you know and they show you how to do it and while they're showing you how to do it, you talk to them, and they and they would they would tell you something, a life lesson or something that would help you. And there was humility in going to that person and learning something from them. And you walked away with this in appreciation for another generation that was older than you. But you don't have to do that no more. Now you can just turn the internet on and see how to fix the lawnmower. And ain't nothing wrong with doing that, but what happens a lot of times, people, you know, they're, they, you know they, they read that and they're like, oh, I've been fixing lawnmowers all my life. I'm 25 years old. And I've been, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've fixed lawnmowers. Or you take a, uh, it's good if you don't know how to, you know, if you don't know how to cook a casserole and you can go on the internet and find out how to cook a casserole. Just don't ask, act like you're a Betty Crocker. Amen. Amen. I mean, you know, just learn from older people. You know, but it's like that's a generation sometimes that, hey, appreciate older people. There's something about asking people some things. The technical world takes that communication away tonight. It robs that generation 
of asking and learning and receiving and appreciating an older generation. You know, some our girls, when they were coming up or when they got married and they left, I remember my wife saying to them now, she said, and I don't know, that that's probably not the words you use, but it's the words I'm going to use, but she just said, listen, now, now don't read all this psychological babble that's out there on the internet on how to be a great wife and how to be a great mother. You read your Bible and you watch older women. I think that's good advice. You don't have to act like you got it all together. I remember her telling them that. You, just, you learn as you go. Is that not how it is? You have a child. You don't know how to raise a child when that first baby's born. That's why you bubble wrap it and you do everything. You don't let nobody breathe on it the first six months of its life. You, the third one comes along, you're passing it off to everybody. You'd let it eat dog food. You would, as long as it ain't hungry. By the time you get the third child, I mean safety's out the window and you're not worried about what people think. But boy, I mean that first one, I mean you take a zillion pictures of them, you go down to you know some studio and you pay a ridiculous price, you know. But I tell you, that third kid ain't got one picture. You're over all that. You can't afford it anymore. But I mean, tell you, you know, but the social, the technical world, it robs us of being real tonight. Amen. I want to say this in closing. How do you overcome these devices? There has to be barriers. You cannot allow devices to control your life. You cannot allow devices to cause you to comment and to commit the things that you should not commit to. You got to have barriers. If you got a cell phone, you ought to have barriers. I don't care if you're 40 years old or or 50, or if you're 30 years old, you better put some barriers on that cell phone. There must be a balance, a balance of time and testimony. You know, cell phones will go off 24-7, but you just have to turn them off at some point and say, I'm done for the day. The world will get mad at you, but they'll get over it. Amen? I mean, you just can't live your whole life by everything that comes through. Your testimony, there has to be a balance. Spiritual people are always concerned about their testimony. And I want to tell you, devices can cause you to lose your testimony in just a moment. Hey, young people, you listen to me. You take a picture you're not supposed to take, and you send it to somebody. It's there. It's out there forever. Amen. I know a man that spent five years in prison for taking a picture and sending it. You never can get those things back tonight. Testimony matters. There must be a balance in truth. Amen. I'm not getting my advice and answers uh, from from the technical world. Amen. There must be barriers. There must be a balance. And then let me say this in closing. There must be a Bible in all of this. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I hold in one hand a Bible. I hold in one, another hand a device. This is not my authority tonight. This is my authority. This is not where I get my answers. This is not where I get my information from. This is not where I raise my children. You say, Brother Gravity, there's some good things on there. I'm sure, I know there is. But it's not where I raise my children. My grandchildren, it's not the instruction I would ever give them. This is it tonight. When I need help and when I need answers, this is where I'm going to go to. 
I want to tell you tonight that whenever uh, you have problems, uh, listen, this is not the answer, but this is the answer. This, is a, this could be a tool, but this is a, a very dangerous thing tonight. Uh, the devil can be all in the middle of this. Oh, but the devil cannot get in this tonight. This is pure. This is undefiled. This is holy. This is what we're to hold. Hey, this is the standard tonight. Uh, uh, this is not the first thing I need to open up and look at every day of my life. Uh, in fact, I can go days uh, and even weeks without this. Uh, and guess what? My life isn't going to get worse. Uh, it's going to get better. Amen? Uh, uh, but I can't go one day without this. Uh, I can't go one day without opening this. Uh, I want to say tonight, uh, uh, this is how you overcome this tonight. You overcome this here with this right here. The precious word of God. Amen. Technical difficulties has hurt us in this hour. And as we stand, I hope you know tonight, I'm not fussing at you for having a device. Oh, but tonight, we must keep our guard up. We must not let devices and technology rule our life. We must live the old-fashioned way by the precious Word of God, the Bible. We must dismiss 90% of the things that we see. Oh, we must keep a watch before our eyes and our ears that we don't fill it full of things that are just time wasters, things that have no eternal value, things that do not help our heart, do not help our home, do not help our head. We must keep those barriers up tonight. Hey, listen, before I give this invitation, we must pray before we put anything out there for the world to ever see because we can never bring it back. Father, bless this invitation tonight. Help us tonight to just keep our minds, our hearts pure, our testimonies right. Help us to keep barriers and boundaries in our life, in our home. And Lord, help us to not let the devil get the advantage in us tonight. As Brother Sam sings, if you need to come, you come tonight.